Ari Mizell, and this is The Art of Less Doing. I'm going to teach you how to optimize, automate, and outsource everything in your life, including your health, in order to be more effective. I want you to stress less, free up as much time as possible, and do the things you want to do. Welcome back to the Less Doing Podcast. This episode is with Laura Ko of Emotional Obesity. Now, this is a really interesting interview and a really great approach to dealing with uh, emotional hygiene, we can put it. So, uh, Felix, good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? I am doing well. So, um, how are you doing? Uh, still pretty good, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so... The, this episode is also sponsored by Design Pickle. Design Pickle is a service that allows you to get unlimited design assistance, revisions for $195 a month. Whether you need a logo fixed or a flyer updated or a website mocked up, you can get it all done with Design Pickle. So thanks for sponsoring. Yeah, thank you very much. So I want to start off. The first link I want to mention, I may have mentioned this. I don't think I've mentioned this on a podcast before, but I think I've brought this up somewhere before. It's called Headspace. And it is, I, I don't mean this in a bad way for them, but it, this is like meditation for dummies. I, I think what they're doing oh, is, yeah. is amazing. Yeah. So it's a, it's a British guy who started this actually. And he does all the recordings that I've heard so far. And he's got a, it's, it's really good. Basically you download the app and the app is free and it's free to use it for 10 days or well, 10 meditations. But basically they call it their take 10. And it's for people who, never meditated don't or they tried they don't know how to meditate and you just go through these 10 minute meditations each day for 10 days and mm-hmm. it's really good i have to say like it, it, meditation is frustrating for a lot of people myself included and he does a really good job with this there there because a lot of meditation is about is really just checking in with your own body and centering and you know whatever you want to call it and i i highly highly recommend people try out headspace if you've ever okay not yeah. got into meditation yeah i feel like you should try it out it's really it's really great i did i did one this morning and um it, it's really? it's really well done okay that so. sounds it sounds great i mean i've the only thing that this reminds me of is that that incredible app that you got me onto called stress doctor yeah um which i i, I don't know why i don't do more but um I guess I just forget about it, but it's, um, I mean, God, the feeling of relaxation in my, throughout my whole body when I did that. Um, I mean, I have done it a few, you know, I've used it, uh, every now and then, but, um, it's amazing. Yeah. Never felt so relaxed. It's like, it's like you've had like a full massage. It's amazing. Absolutely. Um, and, and stress doctor is still a huge recommendation of mine. And, but you know, of course with stress doctor, it's your own biofeedback. There's no, this is actually a guided meditation. It's really, it's really cool. So I, and I would recommend you try it out too, Felix. I think you'd like it. I will. I will. Yeah. So, uh, the next one is called gym surfing and this serves a really interesting need. Basically it's a, it's an app and wherever you are, you can pull it up and it'll show you the nearest gyms that offer a day pass. So let's say you're traveling to LA or you're in Seattle or you're in Miami and you want to get to mm-hmm. a gym. It'll show you for as little as $5 actually, like how you can get into a really nice gym and go work out. So I, I actually, I think this is great. Um, if you're, I thought that was really a really clever idea. Now does that, it, does it show 
would you do you know if it would allow you to use gyms like let's say you're in a, let's say you're in town somewhere for like a week would you be able to go in to the same gym each week or does it, it or, i mean do a lot of gyms just offer f- like pay per use yeah so this is all this is just day passes but technically you know if you did like starting at five dollars so if you're gonna be there for a week and you want to pay 35 dollars for the you know to go every day then it works out oh i see it's very clever yeah it's good and it's you know it's great for the gym too they're gonna get extra people in there and um i I, it's really cool yeah um so the uh the next thing i want to tell you about actually did i tell you about the the wall outlet space heater (laughs) Did I tell you about this? I was I was looking about at this. No, very clever idea. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So this Go is on. this is one of those times when I feel like I have to explain why I'm bringing this up on the Less Doing podcast. Um, so this is from Hammerker Schlemmer, and it is a. It, it looks like it's about the size of a like a half of a brick, basically, and you plug it right into a wall outlet, and it's a space heater. And I, I, this is actually really interesting. Okay, to me, uh, from an efficiency standpoint, the where we ordered one of these, and where we're going to use it is in our bathroom. So. Ah. It's really nice to, you know, you take a shower or something, you get out, and it, rather than being really cold, you can have the room nicely warmed. And this is actually a really efficient way to do this. It goes right into the outlet, so there's nothing to sit on the floor, nothing to trip over yeah. or worry about. And it's basically a room heater that is just you plug straight into the outlet, and it's it's on the outlet, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and but and it's very very efficient. This is also something like if you if you work in an office where you you know, maybe it's a little cold for you and you want to control your own heating environment there. Uh, this would be a really good option for that as well. Uh, it also might be a way to get heat into a part of, like if you're in an older house or an older apartment where the heating is not very efficient, this would be a, pl- a way to get heat into a specific corner of the house, basically. Oh, uh, so second. maybe we should have that in our, um, in our garden room, you know? Well, yeah, so that's something to think about because yeah. it, it'll prevent your overall heating system from needing to keep pumping in heat. And yeah. also it heats up quickly so you can sort of use it, you know, when you go into the room and, and not when you don't. And it, and it has a built-in thermostat and everything. Uh, so I, I, I think it's a really good device and a good solution to a, a common common problem. Yeah. So it's a device I wanted to mention. So there is a, a service called Rise and I, I love the offering of this. I don't, I don't know about the content yet. But I think mm-hmm. this is a really good thing. So basically what Rise is is a one-on-one nutrition coach, and it's done with an app. So very simply, so you get matched with a coach based on your goals. And the, why I said I don't know what the content is, you know, like I, for me personally, like I like to recommend people have a high-fat, low-sugar diet. But, you know, there's going to be specifics where people need something different. And just because I believe that doesn't mean that every nutritionist thinks that, of course. So that's one reason why I'm saying I just don't know about the content. But – conceptually it doesn't it doesn't matter because this will help anybody basically what you do is you, you get a match up with a coach and then you take mm-hmm. a picture of every meal in the app uh, okay. and, then, yeah. and then every day the coach reviews your meals and gives you personalized feedback oh. so it can be as simple as being like hey you know great job that was a perfect breakfast lunch was really good i might have had you you know like maybe you should have had dinner a little bit earlier and you know have some more greens um, or, or, and, maybe, or maybe they're going to be like, look, breakfast was, that was terrible. Like that was not a good idea. And that's really not going to, you know, like, and, and it looks like there's the, the weight, there's feedback through like the weight or something. There's like a, yeah, so you can log your weight as well, which yeah. is really great. So you basically, you're getting one-on-one really accountability. Idea. 
Yeah. yeah. And first of all, they've already proven that just by taking a picture of your meal, you're, yeah. you're, you're going to have an effect on how, how well you eat and how you're really, yeah. Oh yeah. Just, just stop. It's actually really funny. Uh, I'm going to be interviewing Jesse Lawler from the smart drug smarts podcast after you and I finished this morning and, uh, his last podcast, one of the studies that he mentioned was how we are, uh, let me see if I describe this right. Basically we're, we are, our brains are, are quicker at identifying the taste qualities of something than the, mm-hmm. nutri- than the nutritional quality of something based on sight. So example is, oh, really? if, yeah. So like if you put a, uh, a burrito in front of me, right? Mm-hmm. I, my brain will much quack this faster. Tell me like, Oh, that's delicious. Like eat it. Mm-hmm. Then, then it will tell me maybe you shouldn't have that because it's got potatoes in it or because it's got, you know, some whatever. Um, okay. and, and it's like a point two second lag, but it's just enough for you to basically like reach for it and start eating. That's basically uh, okay. like how we get. Kind of, yeah. So just by stopping to take a picture of your food, yeah. You, will, you will have an effect on your health. Wow. And now you're taking a picture and you're getting the feedback and you're getting the accountability. Uh, this is this is a great offering. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Really, really, really impressed with this. Um, okay. So then the next two actually are, are kind of related in a way. So one is called Logger, L-O-G-G-R, and mm-hmm. it allows you to graph your life. So basically there's, there's a few apps like this, but I have to say I think this is the best one I've seen. Uh, you can essentially log – anything okay so yeah. you can log uh your how many pull-ups you did today what your heart rate is how far you biked how much you ate you can log how much time you spent on the computer anything and it that's will, a really useful idea yeah well i, think I may be. need to use that actually yeah so basically it'll provide beautiful meaningful graphs to analyze your progress or meet your goals because as i always say and as you know many people say it's great to collect the data but what do you do with it and this helps you visualize and correlate it very well. Wow. So maybe, you know, you can actually like, you could correlate, you know, the number of pull-ups you did to how much you slept or how much you ate or whatever. Yeah. Oh, wow. Very, very cool service. That's very cool. I like the look of that. Yeah. Uh, and then the last one is, again, along this line, it's called Habit List. And it's, it's similar. And basically what this one is about is like the Seinfeld method about, you know, not breaking the chain. So... You know about I that? Know about that. No. Oh, so I actually believe in it. So this is the the Jerry Seinfeld method of productivity, which is I've never seen the actual full episode, but basically he he has something he wants to do and he marks an X on his calendar. Yeah. And, and then he does it again the next day and the next day. And basically you don't want to break the chain. So this is for like things you want to do daily. Oh right. And so you get to the point where you know you've done it like seventeen days in a row and then you're not gonna quit now because you you know Oh you that's clever. That's a um that's a really clever idea. Well, and it works. It really does. I mean, you know, to be like, oh, I I haven't had sugar in three weeks. Like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to break it now. Like, I'm doing so well. And it it really does work. So, and having the visual reminder is probably very powerful. Well, so, right. So, that's what this does with multiple habits, you know. So, you could say, like, I want to work out. I want to clean my desk. I want to walk the dog and drink Hmm. eight glasses of water. And every time you do it, you mark it and it's going to visualize for you. Again, it's showing, you know, a visual of how well you're doing on that. So, It'll help you create good habits and break unhealthy ones. Really cool. Mm. Okay, cool. Yeah. That does sound cool. So uh, that's that's all we have for this week. I, I, I wanted to mention, uh, you know, as, as usual, that the Less Doing Live event is coming up in May. And mm-hmm. we are selling spots 
really well, actually. So uh, I'd love to get more people there. It's going to be May 1st through 3rd in New York City. And if you go to lessdoinglive.com, you will be able to sign up for a free one-hour coaching call with one of my Less Doing Certified coaches. And in that call, you'll also get to find out about the event and some of our other programs and see if it's a good fit for you. And one of the many speakers you'll see there, other than Dave Asprey, Ben Greenfield, Joe Polish, and Dean Jackson, is Felix, who is going to be co-running uh, a, a podcast workshop. Seminar. Seminar, yeah. 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 Uh, so it's probably going to end up being – actually, I don't even know if I've told you this, Felix, but it's probably going to be with Dave Rail, who is in the Mastermind Group and has – Oh, great. Oh, he's fantastic. Yeah. yeah I, so love, he, I love it when Dave is on the podcast because um, he's very good at it. Yeah. So Dave has basically created software to automate my – sort of hobbled together podcast production automation process, which I, I love and it still runs very well. But Dave has basically turned it into a seamless piece of software. And so he, you and him are probably going to be running this workshop for everybody interested in podcasting. It's basically going to oh, give cool. you an out-of-the-box way to make a great-sounding podcast with custom music, hopefully, and also mm -hmm. get it published. So awesome! that's all we've got for this week. All right. Oh, actually, I have a question for you. Oh, yeah, Brian. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I've started using this app called Breeze. Do you know Breeze? Uh, it's no. A, it's, a, it's one of these, you know, it's made by RunKeeper, actually, and it's an app that tracks the amount of steps you've taken on using the um, accelerometer on your phone, and it gives you, like, a goal and how many steps you've... keeps track of how many steps you've taken per day. Now I don't have a um, you know like a, a a wristband or anything, but if I were to get a wristband, would 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 that um, communicate with this kind of app and um, you know log the steps? Well, you know, what like kind a of Fitbit or something, or I don't know if it's a Fitbit or you see these wristbands everywhere. There are like even at you know the pharmacy everywhere now. Um, and they'll, you know, log activity basically. Yeah. So I'm not. So I don't. Do you know I'm not. I'm not familiar with uh, with Breeze specifically, but most of them now will work with you know some some physical band. Um, and it, my favorite is still the the, the basis, but if it'll work with one, then yeah, that would that would definitely give you more more detail so, for sure. So you do you use a basis? Yes. So how do, can you tell me how you use this kind of thing? Well, so the basis is an actual watch, you know, okay. so, and, it, and it, it tracks heart rate and skin temperature and a lot of really interesting metrics, and it can track sleep as well. And so that okay. one I just, you know, wear and I use. Uh, but as far as as a pedometer, basically, I'm looking at it right now, Breeze looks pretty good. I mean, there's moves, there's a couple others like this, but but yeah, this looks great. And as far as your movement, you know, what you're not going to get from this is that, you know, if you're sitting in your chair for a couple hours working on something, it's not going to get your movement that way, really. Well, that's what, and that's, that's why I'm asking actually, because for example, my wife does not use a, uh, she doesn't keep her phone in her pocket. So it's not going to work. The accelerometer is not going to do anything for her. Um, yeah. So what would you recommend she gets if she were to want to get into this kind of thing? I, so I actually like the Withings uh, Pulse, I think it's called. I, I, the, to me, I, I, you know, the, the Fitbit to me is kind of like a toy, honestly. Um, oh, really? I, I okay. think the, the Withings, I mean, in terms of like what it provides, I think the Withings or the Withings uh, Pulse is actually a lot better. 
And what is that? And how does that work? How does it's that very, work? very similar, except that it's actually going to get some of your vital signs. Because that's the thing is just movement is not enough information, you know, because I could be like if I'm sitting on a couch, mm-hmm. I'm burning calories. But if I'm sitting on a couch in a sauna, I'm burning a lot more calories, you know, and you're not going to get that unless you have heart rate information to back it up. So, oh, does the pulse have heart rate? Obviously, yeah. I guess it does because yes. it's called the pulse. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, because because having the heart rate is um, is a very advanced feature. It seems because um, normally they you require the chest band, right? Right. So this actually, will, so the pulse actually gets your heart rate, and it'll also get your blood oxygen level, which is really valuable information. Oh wow! Yeah. Wow. So this so, will track all of your calories burnt, basically. So you could you could go much push, more accurately. Push, so, so if we were to be doing like a workout in in your gym and bench pressing, would it be able to somewhat track that? I mean, obviously, it's not going to be able to track how much weight we're lifting, but um, right, exactly. No, it'll 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 get a much more accurate level of your burn in calories. Oh, okay. Just based on the blood oxygen level, is that it? And heart rate, yeah, yeah. And yep. heart rate. Oh, okay. Yep. Interesting. So wow. And, and do you know how much they go for those things? Uh, $120. But oh, I'm, okay. I'm sure you can find it cheaper, especially if you ask Fetch. Oh, okay. That's a good idea. Yeah. Okay, cool. And then and then that could be hooked up to an app like Breeze. Or what app do you use? Uh, well, Basis has its own app, basically. Oh, okay. So that's what I'm using. But, no. you know, a lot of these now you're able to, uh, like Withings particularly, has, there's an IFTTT channel. There's a whole bunch of stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Wow. It's a whole world of excitement out there waiting That's for That's right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening in, and thank you, Felix. Yeah, thanks, man. Okay. See you next time. Bye. And now for Feature Interview. So now I'm speaking with Laura Coe, who is author of a very interestingly titled book called Emotional Obesity. So Laura, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. I'm very excited to be here. Thanks for having me. So before I, I mean, the obvious question is what is emotional obesity, but how, how did you, how did you get to this point to write the book in the first place? Yeah. Um, it's an interesting question. And <laughs> uh, there's the long version and there's the short version. Give me the long version. The long version. Okay. Well, the long version is, um, I was uh, in my in college and in graduate school, I studied philosophy, which was my true passion. Um, I absolutely loved it. Um, one of the few things that I felt uh, super connected to. So I thought, well, I'll major in this. And then I went on to graduate school thinking I'd teach. Um, didn't quite feel like the um, academic university structure was the right one for me. And, you know, we're talking 1995, pre-internet, didn't know what else to do with this passion. So came back to Chicago, uh, where my family's from. Um, My dad is pretty old school and didn't really appreciate me staying in his house without earning an income. So he had started a small company a couple of months earlier to bring his life's work out to the world. And... Um, took one look at me and said, you know, why don't you make yourself useful, go down to the company and, um, and help me out. Um, so what was a split second decision to help him out turned into a 11 year career, um, helping start this healthcare company to bring, um, 
attention to kidney stones and how they can be treated and um, and cured. Um, so the reason I say that this is all uh, part of the story as to what led me to to write this book is I found myself in a position where I didn't really think through my life and my career and what mattered to me. Um, I followed the checks box prescriptive uh, plan for life. Um, get a good job, get the house. Um, I had a great relationship. I actually had a three-year-old son and I was even teaching yoga on the side. And with all these boxes checked, I still didn't find the happiness that I was looking for, that sort of sense of fulfillment. So um, we sold our company in 2006 and um, I made a commitment to myself to find a more authentic um, career. And this is what basically led me to write this book. Um, as I started to look for that thing that felt more authentic, um, I realized that I didn't really know how to do that. And at 35, that was a little surprising to me. I thought it would be pretty straightforward and, um, and, and easy since I had the resources to, you know, kind of do whatever I felt like at that point. Um, so emotional obesity is this idea that when it comes to our emotional health, we don't really do anything to stay in emotional shape. And what I mean by that is that what happened to me, I was emotionally obese. Um, we push through our feelings and our passions and we think we've kind of gotten over it. But in fact, we carry that weight throughout our life. And um, although we can have everything from the outside look good, uh, which is where I was, I really felt chronically stressed because these successes were not coming from my authentic self. It was coming from what I had learned. Um, so that's what I'm writing about. And that's what I was eventually able to, um, to fix in my life. Okay. So that's, there's a lot of meat there to, <laughs> to talk about. So first, there's a number of things that you brought up there that I, that I want to touch on. One of which is not only is there this issue of the emotional obesity, but you're actually talking about emotional fitness too, which is, which is really cool. Uh, and one of the first steps that you talk about, I think is, is really becoming aware of those feelings, right? Yeah. Yeah. So th this is something that's so relative to, or so relevant rather to a lot of the things that I talk about, which really does have to do with self-awareness because when, when it comes to productivity, what I see or what I hear every single day from someone is that they're feeling overwhelmed. Yeah. Right. And on the one hand, it's really easy for me as somebody who, uh, you know, I believe I'm very productive, but, and it's easier for me to say, you know, you shouldn't get overwhelmed by something like email, um, or this, but the thing is, is that the, these things are triggers for so many other things in our life and people who procrastinate and people who, uh, yeah. like to move up, you know, get, get the pressure of deadlines and all these things have such interesting emotional components to them. So yeah. how do you, how do you become, well, and also what I believe that a lot of the overwhelm has to do with is that that lack of self-awareness. So people just aren't aware of what is causing the overwhelm. Is it something to really be overwhelmed about and, and what can they do about it? So what, what do you suggest people do to sort of become aware of their feelings? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, awareness, like you said, is, is key. And what was fascinating in my own process, and now um, I coach people as well, and every single one of them is just like you said, there's um, a, a lack of awareness around this idea. Um, they work harder, they push more into it, but they don't realize that the way to change that sense of overwhelming, um, you know, whether it's through emails or what have you, is to slow down and become aware of what it is that 
is causing that trigger within yourself. For me, um, what I have found is I call them junk food thoughts. So just like we have cravings towards certain foods that make us feel terrible, even though we want them, um, for me, you know, a big plate of wings is something I can't resist. Um, and it's worth it in the moment. It feels delicious, but I, I feel pretty sick and, uh, you know, gaining the weight and all the salt and, and various things afterwards. So the awareness in it of itself is half the battle, but the other half is becoming aware of specifically what it is that you do. Um, and by that, I mean, what are the thoughts that you use to wind yourself up when you're feeling overwhelmed? Say you have a hundred emails in your inbox. Notice the thoughts that come to mind. Um, I call those junk food thoughts and they're very custom to each person. Um, I'll never get through these. Oh my God, how am I going to do this? Um, I, you know, people have specific things that they say to themselves to start that process. And my solution is to change that framework around and create some thoughts that are more supportive to getting, um, to reaching your goals. So if it is looking at your email and there's a set of sentences that you re- you repeat on a regular basis that cause that sense of overwhelm, um, say something else. Uh, try saying, um, I've had 100 emails every day for the last 10 years and I get through it. Um, I'm going to look for new solutions so that I can um, get through these emails more effectively. Maybe it's time to get an assistant, right? Um, but take the time to acknowledge the thoughts that are that are creating this um, this feeling. What we do is we just push through them and it it uh, over time makes you feel worse and worse. Right. Okay. So once you start to become aware, I mean, so correct me if I'm wrong here, but I feel like sometimes the awareness actually can, can bring up other problems you didn't even know about. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so what do you do about that kind of stumbling block? I mean, there's, you know, are you going backwards to go forwards or, well, I mean, I guess sometimes you have to, honestly. And if that is there, then you probably do need to uncover it. But how do you sort of navigate that or walk that line? Yeah. Again, like I think that there's too much emphasis on going backwards to move forwards in the sense that I think you're implying where it it becomes this overwhelming uh, jump into the soup of all the things that, you know, I haven't dealt with for years. Um, I don't think it has to be such a long process. I think once you're aware and you can have a little objectivity, um, we take our, our thoughts so much more seriously than we do um, things external to us. So if a doctor to, were to say, oh, you know, uh, you have a mole on your arm that we have to remove, you, you, you know, it wouldn't be my favorite thing to do, but I wouldn't um, uh, lose sleep over it. But if there's a thought that's really getting in your way, we somehow make that very personal and we want to get to the roots of it or think hard about it or we feel bad or we feel shame about it. Um, My answer is really, that's just like that bag of potato chips. You know, just keep away from it. Um, You don't have to analyze it. You just have to uh, create better habits. These are emotional patterns. And Um, in some cases for some people, maybe getting a therapist and talking about it is important. But I think for a lot of high functioning people, it's just really becoming aware, um, of the sentences that are causing that, that, that feeling of weight and heaviness. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Even with productivity stuff, uh, just some, sometimes just the awareness alone is all it takes, honestly, to, to instill that change. It's kind of weird actually. 
because we are, we do become so so blissfully unaware in some cases, and that that just leads to all these problems. So, how what does emotional fitness actually entail? I assume that there's some level of resilience that has to be built in there. Yeah, um, <laughs> emotional fitness is is a lot like being physically fit. So if you um, think of a physically fit person, they deny themselves the foods that, although they taste delicious, um, cause a lot of weight gain. Um, They get out and exercise, you know, even the days they don't feel like it. Um, And more often than not, they have rituals around their their physical health. So for me, emotional fitness is the same. Um, There's, um, you know, I can't leave this relationship because I feel stuck. There's, um, I would leave this job, but uh, I'm going to disappoint people who I care about. There's these sentences that we use to create a gilded cage. Um, So emotional fitness is about noticing those sentences, not using that as your default excuse in your life, picking sentences that are supportive. I'm strong, resilient, and I'm going to do this. Um, I uh, don't, just um, please other people. I am entitled to do to have the life that I want to lead, and that more often than not, you practice that harder um, emotional workout of saying the things that are supportive to you. And um, what comes with that is learning how to conquer fear, right? So a lot of the reasons we avoid. Uh, making the change is because as we step into the things we care about or make those changes, a lot of fear and resistance comes with it. So an emotionally fit person, in my opinion, is somebody who um, can get uh, practice in managing fear and push through it anyways, just like, (laughs) you know, I don't want to go jogging and it's raining and it's cold out, but I'm going to get up and do it anyways. Yeah. Okay. So that, that's an interesting one too, for me, because I, for a lot of my, my sort of journey with, uh, with my Crohn's disease and then overcoming that and everything. And, and a lot of what I have, I mean, we have three small kids right now with three kids under the age of three. So our house is always kind of like a, uh, an exercise in being tough. And my wife is way better at it than I am, but it's, there is that that element of uh, I guess hormesis, you know, where you're sort of creating that stressor to to become stronger from it. And again, it's it not to be like redundant here, but there is that sort of balancing act of you know what becomes chronic and what becomes helpful and what isn't, and and how do you sort of find that line? How do you find that balance? Yeah, yeah, and that's the emotional fitness, right? Like, so where's the balance of how much exercise keeps you in shape and how much sugar can you really? eat. And I mean, there's a bit of an art to it. So um, more often than not, though, that on a daily basis, you're checking in with yourself, you're noticing um, where these thoughts are coming from. Is it fear-based? Is it uh, because you, um, for an example, I was given this huge opportunity early on in the process uh, by an agent in New York City who said, you know, I want to sign you and I want to make this uh, project huge. Uh, the only caveat is I hope that you're willing to make millions of dollars. And I thought, well, <laughs> that sounds good. I'll go back. No problem here. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I waited on bated breath for his proposal and it came and it was, it's not necessarily the wrong thing, but he had QVC and um, all these different things that were much more commercial than I had, you know, wanted to do. And 
I had to slow down. Well, what is what is it that is happening right now? Um, this is being offered to me, and the emotional junk food thoughts went crazy. Who do, who passes on an agent from New York City? How can you say no to millions of dollars? What if you never get another opportunity? And I realized these things had something in common. They were very fear based thoughts, and. I took a day before getting back to him and thought, well, what is it that I really want, you know? And I didn't want this path, but I was afraid if I didn't take it, I wouldn't have another opportunity. So it's situations like that that I call emotional workouts and staying emotionally fit. You know, where is the origin of this feeling coming from and how do I um, keep coming back to my purpose and my goals and my vision instead of letting externalities um, take me in directions that... Um, aren't right for my life. That that's really interesting. I like that sort of taking a decision process as a as an opportunity to to in, in itself to sort of grow stronger from it and, and maintain the path. I, I think that's really that's a that's a cool way to approach it. Um, so, how does it? Do you see how this sort of fits in with the way that you work, or have you seen how this sort of cha- uh, changes the way that you work? Because I, I mean, I, for, I can tell you from someone who's you know written a book and is not really designed to write a book and it's such a, a challenging process in itself for anybody and you are a writer like how how has being emotionally fit sort of affected your work directly yeah i mean it's affected my work um tremendously um by way of background the job that i had was actually in operations and um my brother did sales strategy finance and i put together all the product and everything. So I'm somebody who's used to juggling a ton of projects. I had 50 people reporting to me and emails like you wouldn't believe and, you know, project plans everywhere. Um, And I was very stressed. And um, you mentioned you have Crohn's disease. I have ulcerative colitis and um, I was, you know, not feeling well a lot of the time. And what I found with emotional fitness is it's not just about of finding the effective tools and techniques. It's about the mindset from which I approach the work. And if I'm coming to my work from this fear-based place, if it's coming from somewhere that's not authentic, but from you know, a desire just to make money or just to get the job done or to have other people uh, praise the work, that's a really ugly space to get into, um, wanting approvals and they never come at the level that you want them. Right. Uh, having, um, in my case, I didn't have a boss, but it was my family recognized the value of what I did. Um, those kinds of things create so much stress because I'm not working for the work itself, but I'm working for sort of these external, um, values and goals that I can't ever catch up to. So I think it's critical to have the right tools and systems in place to really support your, um, your work. And I have to say, Ari, your, you know, guidance on your, uh, videos are amazing. I'm following up with some of them, like follow up CC and stuff. I mean, there's so many cool things out there now. Um, and you have a ton of great tips, but I think also coming from the right space that, you know, I come from a place of abundance instead of scarcity now where um, I know that I'm going to finish the job. The the work is for me and I want to feel good about it. And other people's opinions or feelings um, are secondary to that. That's just very nice of them to say something good about the work (laughs) instead of necessary for me to feel happy. Um, So shifts like that have made the um, uh, a tremendous impact on um, my personal work. 
That's that's awesome. So the uh, the last question that I always like to ask on the uh, of these interviews, and, and you can interpret this how you like, but what are the what are your top three tips for people to be more effective? Yeah, um, I think that the most important thing is get clear on where you're um, really coming from. If your um, goals are coming from things external to yourself, you are in a lot of trouble. If it is, like I just said, to please somebody, to make money, um, money is wonderful, but if it's what the main goal is, you'll never feel particularly satisfied or happy. And it's uh, like chasing the endless monkey. Um, So be very careful about where your goals are originating from. most importantly, that they're coming from your, your really true passions for yourself. And that if you're doing it for those reasons, everybody will benefit and everything that you desire will come your way anyways. Um, and then the second thing is to really implement great habits. A lot of the stuff that you talk about, Ari, but um, time management, setting up your calendars, thinking about your schedule, um, scheduling time for yourself before you schedule time for um, all the work. Um, I sit down with my calendar at the beginning of the week or month and I plan for yoga and exercise and uh, the times I'm gonna pick up my son. And then other meetings um, will take place around that. So take a a proactive approach to your um, uh, tasks and daily routines because having great ideas and passions, um, a lot of focus is put on you know, finding your passion, your calling, all of that, but executing is equally important. Um, so I think it's critical to meld the two together. Uh, those are those are excellent tips. So well, thank you, Laura, for that, and thank you for giving us sort of an overview of what emotional fitness looks like in the light of emotion. Or sorry, in uh, in regards to emotional obesity, rather. So uh, we're, we're going to have links to all your stuff in the show notes, of course, but where can people find out more about you, about the book, about your coaching services? Absolutely. Um, so emotionalobesity.com is the website, or you can go to lauraco.com. Both will route you to the website. And if you sign up for the weekly newsletter blog, um, you will get a blog every week and updates on the up and coming book, which is being released January um, 2015. Awesome. Well, Laura, thank you so much. Thank you so much. I really loved uh, chatting with you and I love uh, all the great work you're doing. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Less Doing podcast. If you want to find out more information of the show, we would love to hear from you. You can go to lessdoing.com where you can look at Ari's blog, see the show notes for this episode and also look at all the other episodes before this. If you want to send us a voicemail, we'd love to hear from you and we'll play it on the show. You go to lessdoing.com, click on contact, and look on the right side of the page where you'll see a a send voicemail button. Click on that and go ahead and record an audio message for us. You can also get in touch with us on Twitter. Ari's Twitter handle is at Ari Mizell, and mine is at Felix Bird. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. See you next time.